Money's crazy mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored. Welcome to the podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time. This is Money's Crazy Mind. To the Hollywood Podcast World, this is Lee Money speaking, the host of Money's Crazy Mind. And of course, you can listen to Money's Crazy Mind every Wednesday night from 8.30 to 10.30 exclusively on Red Line Radio LLC. Make sure to follow the Money's Crazy Mind Facebook page at Money's Crazy Mind Podcast. Also follow Redline Radio LLC at Redline Radio LLC. Subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel and you can see every episode. That's right. See every episode of Money's Crazy Mind right there. Now, this episode is the episode that we did for the 25th anniversary of the N. W.O., the New World Order, the faction that changed professional wrestling as we know it. Also, at the beginning of this episode, there's a neat little update about our buddy, Mr. Rich and Stupid, Robert Durst, from his murder trial that is happening still currently for the murder of Susan Berman. And in case you guys are wondering why I'm doing all these like little introductions to the episodes, um, we had some issues during this time at Redline Radio, and we had a intern, and I'm not taking anything away from the intern, he was doing his absolute best, but uh, there were some production issues at the beginning, some production issues at the end, and even some production issues with the breaks, so um, I'm just basically going through fixing all the the intros the outros and things like that um things are much much better now so once we get into the more current episodes from redline uh you guys will not be getting these introductions from me anymore it'll just go straight into the episode from redline and if it looks like it's a visually heavy episode like some of them are I'll make sure that I include the link to the exact episode uh, from our uh, YouTube channel and also our Facebook Live channel so that you guys can see the episodes as well as listen to them. But this, again, is a phenomenal episode about the birth of the NWO, so check this one out. All right, what's up, everybody? What's up? No. No, you're not wrong. It is Thursday. It's not Wednesday. And no, this isn't the sports explosion. This is Money's Crazy Mind. Uh, there were a few incidents that happened uh, last night, right around the time I was supposed to be live, uh, that prevented the show from happening last night. Uh, but I was going to be guest hosting Spo- Sports Explosion tonight anyway. So I just said, well, you know what? We'll just do Money's Crazy Mind Explode Sports Explosion and Sports Explosion Ain't Happening. Sorry, Will. Or 
as your best friend in the whole world, Lex Vegas, likes to call you, Adam Sandler. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk a little bit of uh, sports here in a minute. Well, sports entertainment. But, Dave, I have an update about our buddy, Robert Durst. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You got it. It's on. I hear you. I can't hear myself. Uh-oh. I hear you, though. Go ahead. So, <laughs> as we know, uh, the reason why... Uh, you just unplugged the mic. Okay, I hear myself again. Uh, the reason why I did... Rich, that was my mic. I'm. I think I'm good though. See, no, it. it er, er, <laughs> it's your headphones. Yeah. Okay. So it's not the mic. It's just the okay. Um. But anyway. So the whole reason why I did. Uh, the rich and stupid episode, uh, a couple weeks ago, was because I got the update that he was on. Now I can. Can you hear me? I can now. I don't know. For some reason now I can't can't hear myself in this. Uh... Hello. Hello. There you go. If I would turn <laughs> the mic on so I can hear myself, <laughs> act like I've done this before, right, Lee? Yeah, the wonders of internet radio, sir. The wonders of internet I'm over here radio. pressing buttons. I know that the button's supposed to be on, and it's not on. <laughs> My fault, guys. So I'll give myself a <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> But anyway, so Mr. Rich and Stupid is actually currently on trial for the murder of his friend Susan, uh, Susan Berman. So the trial was going on, and then it got delayed because of COVID, and then it got delayed because of COVID again. So his wonderful attorney, uh, Dan, De, uh, Dan DeGaren, was trying to get a mistrial declared because the trial kept getting put off due to due to COVID restrictions in LA, judge is like, yeah, no, don't think so, sorry, your your guy's still gonna face trial for this. So then he tried getting the jinx thrown out of court so that they couldn't show any of the footage from the jinx because it's a one sided, um, edited, highly edited, made for TV movie. Not even a documentary, a movie, a Hollywood production is what he referred to it in court. And the judge is just like, nope, this is a, it's your headphones getting too close to the mic. Um, you know, no, it's a documentary with, you know, the footage is going to be shown, blah, blah, yada, yada. So on June 10th, um, Bob was scheduled to appear in court. And so the jury shows up. Dan DeGaren and his defense team shows up. The prosecutors show up. There's no Bob. Bob's not in court. So the bailiff hands the judge a note. The judge sits there and he reads it. Not saying nothing to nobody. Because obviously, you know, he can't. Is that your phone or mine? Oh. Um, and then all of a sudden the judge goes, uh, okay, jury, there's not going to be any testimony today. You're dismissed. 
So the jury gets up and leaves. DeGaren's looking around. The prosecutor's looking around. And DeGaren goes, uh, Your Honor, where the hell's my client? And the judge is just like, well, I just received a letter from the, uh, the prison guards that Bob is currently in the penitentiary doctor because of undisclosed health reasons. So I'm sitting here and I'm just like, what the hell is this son of a bitch trying to do now to get away with murder for a second time? So the judge says we are not declaring a mistrial. We're not doing anything like that. We're going to make sure that Bob's okay. And then we're going to see if testimony can resume tomorrow. So I've been listening to this podcast that is like a day-by-day recollection of everything that's been happening in the Bobby Durst trial. And Bob did appear to court the next day. He seems to be fine. The trial is going on. uh, And they heard testimony from Bob's brother. They heard testimony from a couple other people so far. Uh, But here's the thing that blew my mind, Dave. So not only is it that, you know, he got out of court for a day because he was supposedly sick, but one of the detectives in the case, what's up, Clint? You're going to like tonight's topic. I'm just doing an update on one of my past episodes, then we're going to get right into some wrestling. Um, one of the detectives that was working on his wife's disappearance case just got questioned by the prosecution as to whether or not they slept with Kathy Durst's sister. So instead of looking for Kathy, he's too busy clapping cheeks with the victim's sister. And then on top of that, the the uh, Kathy Durst family gave this detective concert tickets as a thank you for working on the case. If that ain't bribery 101, I don't know what is. <laughs> so he's banging his wife's sister, the one that disappeared. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man, this shit just keeps getting better and better. I can't wait to listen to the rest of this podcast because now, um, they are going to be taking Robert Durst to trial for the disappearance of his wife. So, and they've upgraded that to a homicide. So Bob is now looking at a third murder charge. One he got away with one. I, I hope to God he can't get away with. And then he's going to be facing another one for the disappearance. And it looks like murder of his wife, his first wife anyway. So that's just a quick little update. Um, about what's going on with Mr. Rich and Stupid Bobby Durst. Uh, So, for those of you that um, are old enough to remember, today is probably the strangest day in the history of sports. There were so many different things happening today, and they all got overshadowed by one event. And that one event <clears throat> ended up spanning the entire day. I'm sorry, I don't like to drink in the middle of a sentence, but I had a tickle in the back of my throat. So here's just a couple of the things that happened on today's date, June 17th, in the year of 19, 
1994. Arnold Palmer played his last round of golf on the professional level. Don't be giving it away in the in the comments, Clint. Think of this as music feud, man. Don't be giving it away. <sighs> Swear, man. Can't pick your audience. <laughs> but yes. Yes, that is exactly what it is. But uh so Arnold Palmer played his last round of golf and in the middle of Arnold Palmer doing his last round, they interrupted I think it was the Masters, or it had to be one of those big tournaments for golf. I don't follow golf, which is why I'm not doing Sports Explosion. Um, but they interrupted Palmer's final round to announce that an arrest warrant had been issued for O.J. Simpson. So while Honor Palmer is doing his final round of golf, the Islanders are celebrating their Stanley Cup win with their Tinker Tape Parade. And, of course, they have to break into that and announce that that uh, O.J. had a warrant issued for his arrest and the murder of his wife and Ronald Goldman. And then uh, the Knicks were playing in Game 7 of the NBA Finals later that night. And just a slew of things happening in the world of sports. But every time an event would be happening, they would have to interrupt it with the O.J. update of the minute. So obviously, you know, they they issue the warrant for OJ's arrest. His uh original attorney, Robert Shapiro, then took OJ to quote unquote get medically evaluated before turning himself in and took him to Robert Kardashian's house with Kim and Chloe and I think the other daughter there as well. OJ's girlfriend is there with him. Uh, Bob is announcing, you know, OJ, it's time to go. Um, AC Cowlings had shown up and then, you know, you know, OJ's, Oh, I'm having him checked by one more doctor. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Blah, blah, yada, yada. So finally LAPD is just like, as of this moment, OJ Simpson is now a fugitive from justice and, um, you know, failed to turn himself in like he promised he would, um, you know, we have the famous, uh, suicide note that was read by Kardashian in a press conference and OJ takes off. And so in the middle of the Knicks in game seven, which was a do or die, obviously, cause it's game seven, all of a sudden basketball gets dropped in the lower right. Like the red line radio logo is, and we just see this white Bronco going 45 miles an hour down a California freeway. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Clint. The 30 for 30 about June 17th, 1994. Anybody that has ESPN Plus, check it out because there is not a single talking head in this documentary. They literally just took footage from all these different sporting events that were going on during that day. And then, you know, obviously they intersected it with, you know, the OJ arrest announcement or the OJ warrant announcement. OJ failing to appear, and then the Bronco chase. So, you know, that was 1994. I was like eight or nine years old when this is happening, and I can remember exactly what was going on the second they interrupted the Cleveland Indians game that was on that night to announce OJ's going 45 miles an hour with just about every goddamn cop in Los Angeles tailing behind him. 
And that was all we got to see for hours. It was, it was insane. And it's just like, if Dave had murdered somebody, he wouldn't be getting that kind of media attention. If I murder somebody, I'm not going to get that media attention. But because it's OJ fucking Simpson, the juice, it's international news. And we're still fucking talking about it 27 years later. It's just insane to think that this one person, and I understand that the stardom that he had back then and everything like that. You know, I mean, I wasn't an OJ fan. I knew he played baseball, or I knew he played football, you know, and he was damn good at it. You know, and I understand, you know, that there is an investigation into the murder of his wife and one of her friends, probably a guy she was sleeping with, because apparently that's what Nicole did after the 900 millionth time that her and OJ broke up. And if you listen to any of the documentaries that were done about that case and about that trial, OJ had a tendency of showing up at her house. So what you're saying is, Lee Money, you don't think that uh, OJ did it? (sighs) There's enough evidence to say that he probably did, but there's also a few different things that look like he couldn't potentially have done it. And I am actually going to be doing one of my false confessions and confessions after the fact on OJ. You want my theory behind it? Honestly, I think it was probably Colombian drug dealers because she, I think he was there when it happened. Oh, so do I. And I think he ran scared. I think that he watched it happen and tried Mm -hmm. to maybe fend him off. That's how he got the cut on his hand. Possibly, possibly. You know, but I do think it was probably Colombian drug dealers because she owed the Colombians about a million and a half dollars. But if you tell that to a jury or whatnot, knowing his past history with, you know, him, the domestic violence and yeah, they're going to try and put and I've always said it. I've always thought that he was not guilty. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you watch um, the uh, the American crime story from the people that do American horror story on OJ, the people versus OJ Simpson. Um, one of the attorneys that was actually a law professor at a college was showing that since the trial was on every goddamn news channel, it was probably on Nickelodeon back then. I remember where I was when I found, when they announced the verdict, the verdict, I remember exactly where I was and exactly what I was doing. I was sitting in English class. We were watching it. We were in health class, and our health teacher turned it on and said, we're going to watch this. Because it's a big thing in history. And what had happened is we were in his class for two straight periods Mm -hmm. because our regular teacher was out on maternity leave, so he took over for her class. Right. So we had him for three hours. Jesus. And he was like, well, what do you guys want to do? Today's a big day. You know, Mm -hmm. like, we got a a test. We did Mm -hmm. our test. He was like, well, we could push that back till next week, the OJ verdict's on. So we were watching every minute of it. When the verdict came out, you should have seen everybody. You had mixed emotions. For for my class, it was like 90% of the guys were just like, yes, oh, my God, he's innocent because, you know, because of the football thing. And all the girls were just like, oh, my God, another one got away with it. You know, so, I mean, it, it was very split. But it was also split between um, white people and the other kids in the class. Because a lot of the, the, you know, minority children didn't think he did it. But also with the history of the LAPD, how could you not think that he didn't do it as well? You know, th- this was around the time of Rodney King and all that other stuff as well. Um, but I do believe the Colombian necktie theory, especially with the fact that, and uh, 
Marsha Clark brought this up so many different times during the trial. I got the clip. You want me to play the clip? Which clip? The one there where they're reading he's not guilty? Uh, Yeah, we can do that real quick. Are you sure? You want yeah. me to play it? Yeah. But I am going to be doing a full... All right, Mr. Car- Mr. Uh, October 3rd, 1995. Mrs. Robertson. Superior Court of California, County of Los Angeles. In the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA097211. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant Orenthal James Simpson not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson, a human being, as charged in count one of the information. Superior Court of the State of California, County of Los Angeles, in the matter of the people of the State of California versus Orenthal James Simpson. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Ronald Lyle Goldman, a human being, as charged in count two of the information. We, the jury in the above entitled action, further find the special circumstance that the defendant, Orthal James Simpson, has in this case been convicted of at least one crime of murder of the first degree and one or more crimes of murder of the first or second degree to be not true. Signed this mm. second day of October 1995, juror 230. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, is this your verdict? So say you one, so say you all. All right, counsel, Mr. Simpson, would you be seated, please? I didn't know that they had also uh, dropped the special circumstances charge, too. Yes, yes. How do you feel about hearing that over again? And just the sigh. Did you hear OJ's sigh yeah. after that? Yeah, and then you also hear the Brown family kind of go, <gasps> and then obviously the, the Goldmans were the ones that were crying after the, after the second count was read there. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it's such a strange thing, you know, and... You know, like I said, 27 years later, we're still talking about this, you know. Um, but something that happened 25 years ago this week is actually the real topic that we're going to talk about. I just wanted to bring that up, and, 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 you know. Okay, so that's your sports explosion for the evening. Thank you. Now we'll return you to your regularly scheduled yeah, bro, program. here we go. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled program, Money's Crazy Mind. Now, so, uh, 25 years ago, actually, on May 26th, the world of professional wrestling changed forever. When, and we have to go a little bit further back. My name is Shane. We have to go a little bit further back from that before we even do that. So, do you remember an incident that happened in the WWF? Yeah, listen, here's what I got. Well, that actually didn't happen until July 7th. I love Shivani's reaction. <laughs> right there. <laughs> How big was that, Lee, at that time? How okay. big was that? 
so for me, and I was just a casual fan before this whole thing started. Um, I watched ECW because I thought it was the most realistic. ECW, ECW. And then I would occasionally watch WCW because I always thought Sting was just so cool. Even with the, the blonde, you know, the blonde crop top and the crazy face paint and the multicolored tights, even though I make fun of John Cena for having his Fruity Pebble t-shirts. But, um, you know, so I was kind of just a casual fan. And I didn't actually did not watch Bash at the Beach live because, you know, like I said, the only time I would ever really watch WCW was when Sting was on. And then the next day in school, and this tells you just how big professional wrestling during this time was. The next day in school. All right. You didn't see this live? No, I did not watch I Bash seen at the this Beach. Live. I, I remember exactly where I was at, just like mm-hmm. the OJ trial. Right. My buddy who got rest his soul, me and my brother, God rest his soul. He just passed away um, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, we're sitting at his house. We got invited him two doors down. Mm-hmm. I remember exactly what was going on. My brother was a big Hogan fan. <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I got a feeling that Hogan's joining the NWO. Mm-hmm. Which so we didn't know that it was the, the knock NWO on the door there. was pizza came in. Uh-huh. My brother walks from the bathroom. Hogan's walking out. He goes, he's about to get Hall and Nash. I said, uh-huh. Paul. What happens if he doesn't get them and goes NWO or with these guys? He goes, it'll never happen. Right. Never happen. Mm-hmm. Dropped a leg drop on Macho. I looked right at him. I said, told you so. And his heart, like you could see in his eyes, like he was like, I can't fucking believe it. Mm-hmm. Good sell on Hogan. Good sell on WCW. And my buddy was in shock. He was like, I can't believe Hogan turned his back. You know, and that was what a, a lot of my classmates were saying, too. They're just like, I can't believe Hogan turned his back on the Hulkamaniacs and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. Hulkamania has been around since what, 85, 86? 83. Okay. So it was 11 years at that time. Right. And then you have, you know, the fans were starting to, to lose interest in it because he was still... Um, animated and cartoonish, to borrow a phrase from Eric Bischoff and uh, Paul Heyman as well. Um, you know, and he had originally approached Hogan before he even knew what the NWO concept was going to be, before he even knew that Hall and Nash were going to leave WWF. And he says, what would you think about turning heel? And Hogan's just like, oh, brother, I can't do it. I can't do it, brother. Can't, can't, can't turn my back on the kids. So he, then he started thinking up this new concept. So then on May 19th, when Hall and Nash made their last appearance for the WWF, you could kind of tell that the winds of change were starting to come. That was the night of the curtain call. When, so... There's a thing in professional wrestling, for those that may not be huge wrestling fans, there's used to be, I don't think it's too much of a thing nowadays, especially with, you know, the Conrad Thompson podcast network where he talks to just about everybody about every little detail that ever happened in professional wrestling. I don't think there's not anybody that is in the world of professional wrestling that doesn't have a show with Conrad. 
they uh, I got I pulled up a thing here if you want to listen to it. Okay. All in Nash on Hogan was always the third man in the NWO. Mm, I actually just listened to this past week's uh, 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff, speaking of a Conrad Thompson show. And Bischoff said it was Sting first. If he could not get, if he could not convince Hogan to turn heel, it was going to be Sting. it was going to be Sting because Sting was that staple in WCW, and he always wanted the third man to be somebody from within WCW, not another outsider. You want to hear what Holland asked to say? Let's hear what these liars have to say. Okay, that is true because Bischoff said the same thing. The backup plan, Bischoff said if if Hulk says no, Sting's going to turn. Okay. So when Hulk came out and it was so great, and just being in a ring with him, like I'm standing next to Kevin Hart, Kevin going, got this one in my scrap, but woo, did business with the (laughs) Hulkster. Well, Sting, because I I talked to Sting, Sting does not remember. Were you supposed to be the third member of the NWO? Yeah, this this question comes up all the time, and and I got to. I'll say uncle okay maybe i did maybe i was i was penciled in but you know some of this stuff I'm, i am forgetting some of it is turning into a blur so um, I've, I've done interviews where eric is adamant about it I'll, okay uncle it happened <laughs> my recollection is bischoff coming to us going if it's not hulk it's gonna be stick yeah they were gonna buzz the raft and jump stick because hulk was in sullivan's house and sullivan lived in, in daytona beach yeah, and Sullivan was the pencil. I guess once he showed, or once they got him, where they knew that it was a lock, maybe they didn't talk to Steve and, and tell him, uh, you know, that, they, that, that he was going to be the other option. But you guys didn't know when you're out there. No, you don't know if it's going to be Hulk or no. Steve we 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 we've gone to the ring now. Kevin's laid out a sweet finish if Hulk does it. That's why I'm so glad to hear that Hulk music play. Because it wouldn't have worked because Hulk's music didn't play. Clint, and that's actually where I was going to go with the curtain call aspect of this. Uh, so the curtain call actually killed kayfabe in the business, or at least that's what Triple H has kind of said in recent interviews. So basically what happened was everybody on the inside in, in WWF at the time, they were still the WWF, knew that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were on their way out. So they were friends with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was the current WWF champion at the time. Triple H was kind of riding everybody's coattails. And um, there was a steel cage match between Michaels and Nash. The match ends. Hall and uh, Hunter come out and come down to the ring. And the four of them embrace in a big giant group hug. And that event has since been called the curtain call since it was Nash and Hall's exit from the WWF. And it uh, was shunned by many, 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 many on the inside of WWF. Undertaker is probably one of the most notable for sitting here going, this is bullshit. They're killing the business. Hall's a heel. Nat, you know, Hall's a heel. Uh, 
Triple H is a heel, Nash is a face, Sean's a face. You can't have them doing that. It's killing the business. So ultimately what ended up happening, Hall and Nash are gone. Now, obviously, you know, few people knew that they were going to WCW, but not everybody. The fans certainly didn't know that they were going to WCW. Sean's the champ. So who are you going to punish in this situation? Triple H was originally slated to win the 1996 King of the Ring, and he was going to start a big title run because they knew Michaels was going to be leaving soon because he was injured. But because this incident happened, Hunter ended up saying, you know, well, obviously you can't punish Scott and Kev because they're out. Sean's the champ. I'll take the brunt of this. And he ended up basically going beyond the ladder about 10 feet down into the ground all the way to the bottom, and he basically got jobbed out for uh, the good portion of two years, maybe a little bit longer. And as uh, Clint said in the comments, JR did recently say that the curtain call was selfish, you know, of these four to do, even though Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and I'm pretty sure uh, Hall and Nash have even said as well, they had Vince's permission to do this. But when Vince got wind of how the people in the back were reacting to it, he turned his, uh, you know, changed his mind about how he felt about it and somebody ended up having to get punished. But because this happened and because Hunter ended up getting punished, this launched the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we would not have had the Austin 316 and all of that if the curtain call had never happened. So, uh, Steve, you need to thank the click for your career, buddy. <laughs> or at least that part of it. So then eight days later, on May 27th, Scott Hall made in his uh, WCW debut, and he didn't do it by coming out of the back, kind of like Lex Luger, uh, Luther did. Uh, Lex Luger did at the mall. At the mall on the very first uh, Monday Nitro. He's walking through the fans. And in the middle of a match, there's a match in the ring. And you hear the commentators going, what, 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 what the hell's going on here? What, what's with this? And uh, Larry Zabisco is just like, what the hell are you talking about? Talking you don't work here. And he's just like, well, what what the hell are you doing? And then Hall gets in the ring, and he basically just says, you all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. You wanted a war? You got a war. And this is the moment that would launch one of the biggest game-changing events in that era of the of professional wrestling. Scott comes out later in the night, goes up to the announce booth where Eric Bischoff is and asks him, hey, did big man get his money yet? Now, here's what's interesting about this. And Eric Bischoff has gone on record several times, not only on 83 Weeks, but in his book, uh, Controversy Creates Cash, and in several other media. You got the clip of Nash or uh, Hall debuting? All right, go ahead and play that, and then after that, we'll go on break, and then we'll get jump back into this.
Lee, did you watch this Nitro live? No. I mean, obviously, I've seen it hundreds of times since then, but no, I did not watch it live. It's really quiet. Where is the Nacho Man? That punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh, where is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop for you. When that Ken doll look-alike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here <laughs> later tonight, I got a challenge for him, for Billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> Hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Okay, so I forgot that we started at 9.30 instead of 9. So well, we got another half hour before we got to do that, before we go to break. Anyway, so WCW... Um, Obviously, Vince and WWF sent many, many, many lawsuits over not just Hall's appearance, but the way he acted during Hall's appearance because he did act a lot like the Razor Ramon character. So Bischoff and there's also the, the book Nitro that came out a couple years ago. They actually have documents from one of those lawsuits where it went on record that um, WCW was trying to say that the reason that Hall came back was not because he had left WWF or that he wasn't an invader from WWF, that he was coming back to get revenge for the way he was treated when he was there before as the diamond stud. And... It's funny because Scott Hall in several episodes, uh, interviews and even the video he made for WWF home video, he even sat there and said, I basically walked into the meeting with Vince and was doing the accent and everything that I was doing when I was the diamond stud in WCW. And that's what became the Razor Ramon Scarface accent that he did in the WWF. So when Vince tried suing over him using the mannerisms and everything of Razor, WCW's like, he did this as the diamond stud. You don't have a case. They ended up settling because Vince had better lawyers. But so the next week, Hall returns and stated that we 
are going to finish the war that WCW initially started. So Bischoff is just like, what do you mean we? Who's we? And he kept going, you know who, you know who. And then that next week, he would have a big surprise for everyone. So then on June 10th, which is when I started my NWO anniversary invasion tour of Redline Radio, the big man made his first appearance on WCW Monday Nitro after being there years before as Vinny Vegas and basically stated, you need three guys. We got three guys. You need three guys. Where's your three guys? You can't get anybody off of dialysis. You can't get a paleontologist to, to clear any of these guys. The geriatric ward is still too full. You know, basically stating that all of WCW's talent is recycled WWF talent. It sounds a little bit like AEW, to be honest with you. <laughs> but at least they're getting the younger talent from WWE, other than Sting and Big Show. But Big Show ain't really wrestling. Is Mark Henry wrestling, though? Oh, God. No, you know, you're good. You're good. So, you know, everybody reminded, uh, you know, Nash and Hall reminded uh, Bischoff that, you know, they don't have their three guys yet. Uh, Bischoff then invited them to come to the Great American Bash, and he would announce that he talked to Billionaire Ted and that they would he, he would announce their team. So what's interesting about this and this is actually something that Conrad Thompson constantly berates Eric about whenever they talk about these three nitros or just the NWO in general. And it's basically this. If they wanted to get revenge for the way that they were treated on, w, on WCW, for the way that they were treated when they were the Diamond Stud and Vinny Vegas, why the hell were you using all of WWE's mockery titles? Billionaire Ted, Nacho Man, calling Eric Bischoff a Ken doll, you know, the WCW, you know, all of that. That was all stuff that WWF had done previously, like five months ago on their Saturday Night Shotgun show that was more like a cheap ripoff of Saturday Night Live. And... Eric just keeps saying, well, obviously it morphed over time and it did this and it did that. Okay, so more backpedaling from Eric Bischoff like we've gotten his entire career. Um, <laughs> they were invading WCW. They were outsiders from the company. They were in WCW, but nobody remembers that they were there. Who the f Do you remember the Diamond Stud, Dave? I do. Do you remember Vinny Vegas? Oz, okay, there's another character from WCW that failed for him. I remember John Hall was Big Tex. Scott Hall. Yeah. And that also was... And in, in, in AWA. AWA, yeah. He was called Big Tex mm -hmm. Scott Hall. Yep. And he had a mustache. Yep. 
God, I'm so glad he got rid of that thing. <laughs> I bet he is too. Oh, I'm uh, sure. He made a lot more money as Razor Ramon than he did. Oh, so the reason that he left WWF after, you know, everything was he went to Vince and he basically said, I want to work here, but I can't be. I'm about to have a kid. I can't be here as many days. And I just want more of my merchandise money. That's all he wanted. He wanted more of a bigger cut of his merchandise. And Vince says, you get the same thing as everybody else. No. That's when he called Bischoff. And that's when, well, actually, he called Dallas, Diamond Dallas Page, because him and DDP were friends. And DDP got in touch with Bischoff and said, look, Scott's a different guy. I know you remember him as, you know, uh, uh, the Diamond Diamond Stud stud. and all that. And, you know, he's like, talk to him, see if you can deal with him, blah, blah, blah. Because Bischoff remembered, you know, the fact that, he was a huge alcoholic. He used to do drugs and motherfucker is probably the second luckiest motherfucker on the planet. He murdered somebody and got away with it too. When he was a, a, a bouncer at a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't even rich. He was just lucky. <laughs> but so then Nash was, it was the same story. I'm about to have a kid. You know, I, I want to take a little bit of time off and I'm looking at my merchandise checks and everybody else's merchandise checks and everybody else is getting way more money than I am. And Vince is like, that's your cut. And then they were going to, he was doing a match against somebody. I can't remember who it was and he didn't want to be powerful. Oh, Jake, it was Jake the Snake Roberts. He was going to have a match against Jason Snake Roberts at King of the Ring. And Jake says, I don't want to get powerbombed. So when the bookers went to Kevin and said, you can't powerbomb Jake, Kevin got on the phone with Scott and said, yo, get me in touch with Bischoff. And the rest was history. And the rest is history. Didn't Bischoff, like, guarantee them upfront money? Um, And that was actually something that has been getting brought up a lot recently as well. Um, Bischoff... It's just like, I had a guaranteed contract. Larry Zabisco had a guaranteed contract. You know, other wrestlers had guaranteed contracts, so it's not the first time in wrestling history that anybody has ever gotten, quote-unquote, guaranteed money in the business. Well, you know Hogan had to have guaranteed money. And the fucked-up part is, is that National Hall got paid more than Hogan. There's one person that was in WCW that they did not get paid more than. Sting. Sting. They were basically getting about what Ric Flair got. What would have happened? What would have happened if Hall and Nash never made that jump? Mm. How would wrestling be today? Probably the same bullshit we were watching in 96 from WWE. Uh, WWE. You mean WCW? Both of them. But I don't, I don't even think that WCW would have survived. Do you think WWE would have survived if, the, if, if Hall and Nash would have stayed there? I don't know, because then we would have never had the curtain call. Triple H would have gotten the push that Steve was supposed to get. Triple H would have gone on to beat Shawn Michaels. We never would have gotten DX. You know, there, there's... Better group, DX or NWO? NWO. Why? Because it was so much bigger? 
if there was no NWO, there would be no DX. True. True. And if the NWO wasn't getting away with some of the things that they were getting away with, there would have been no DX. Both were great. Oh, both were fantastic. And I even think that the second iteration of DX was better than the original. When it was Road Dog and X-Pac. And I didn't like X-Pac in, in, in uh, DX. I did not like them. You know that Chris Jericho was supposed to be the member of uh, when he signed in, in, mm-hmm. in 2000. He was supposed to be called the Excalibur Chris Jericho. Oh, Jesus. So glad they went with Y2J. Correct. He said he did not <laughs> like the Excalibur. Mm-mm. You know, and that's actually something that Jericho talks about quite a bit on Talk is Jericho as well. And, you know, I mean, if, if you guys want to hear from the ass's mouth, in my opinion, in Eric Bischoff, all month on 83 weeks, they're talking about the NWO. Because this is the month leading up to July 7th, which would be the anniversary of Batch at the Beach when Hogan turned heel and and became the third man that they're leading up to all these shows. They just recently did the June 10th episode of Nitro where they watched it along and, you know, the moment with um, Bischoff. So then this week would have been actually tonight is the anniversary of Great American Bash. Now today's 617, 2021. Mm-hmm. When was Great American Bash? June 17th. I thought you said July 7th. That's Bash at the Beach. Oh, okay. So the Great American Bash is when Holland Nash come out because by this point, WWE fucked up. And why? Let me ask you this question. Was this ever asked? How did Bischoff pick his three from WCW? Was that question ever asked? You had Sting, mm. Macho Man, and mm. who else? Lex Luger. Why do you not put Flair in there? Um, he, or Goldberg? This is actually... Well, Goldberg wasn't there yet. Goldberg didn't show up until like 98, 99. Okay, so why are you, why you got Sting, Macho Man, and Flair? He wanted to skew young. Since Hall and Nash were coming in as younger guys, quote-unquote, he didn't want to have Hogan there because Hogan represented the old. He didn't want Flair in there because Flair was like a million years old by that point. Um, you know, so he wanted to skew Hold younger. How the fuck was Sting at that point? He had to be like 42, 43 how old Sting now? Like sixty something. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're late late thirties at the least. But Sting was also WCW's biggest star at that point, because I mean Hogan. You you can say whatever you want about Hogan, but by '96 everybody was just like, eh, "Fuck you, Hulk." Especially since you're doing Blunder in Paradise and Santa with muscles and. You know, all that stuff. Sting is 62 years old. So how many years ago was that? 25. 25. So that would have put him at? Late 30s. No. 20 would have put him at 42. Yeah, he's 37. Mm -hmm. So he's my age. Yeah, he was your age. Yeah. Younger than Flair. Yeah, younger than Hogan. You could have picked somebody else besides Lex fucking Luger. Well, it, Lex and Sting were a tag team at that point. 
And they wanted to put Macho in there because Macho had been in WWF with them when they were Razor and Diesel. But, and, and plus, if it, the Mega Powers, like, if Hogan had not turned, and when Hogan gets in the ring, everybody thought the Mega Powers were going to reunite because it was Macho that he leg-dropped. Because Luger had done a stretcher job five minutes into the match, so Luger was a non-factor. Sting was selling out on the ring, overselling outside the ring. And you have Macho laying, pretending to be dead in the middle of the ring. I don't know, man. I just wouldn't have picked Luger. I, you know, I probably wouldn't have picked Luger either. I don't know. But, I mean, you had to make the the outsiders look intimidating, though, as well. You know, and like like Nash said in his promo, the measuring stick just changed around here. And by the way, 25 years later, people still give Nash shit for saying adjective instead of verb for play. Which, I'm sorry, Nash. I love you. I met you. You were awesome when I met you. You signed probably one of the second worst business deals you ever signed, that fucking comic book. <laughs> there was a Kevin Nash comic book at one point, and I had him sign the first issue. But he did do the Super Shredder voice for me, so that was cool. Because, yes, underneath all of that, that was Kevin Nash that played Super Shredder in Ninja Turtles 2. Um, that was a good movie. It was, it was. And he was actually still working for WWE at that point. And, you know, they called him, like, we need a seven-foot guy to play the Super Shredder. And he's like, well, Diesel ain't doing anything. You can have him. What would have happened? Like, if you if you were to do the NWO right now. Fantasy booking the NWO. Fantasy booking the NWO. Mm-hmm. Who are you starting it with? Mm. Who's your guy you're sending out of Scott Hall? Who's your Nash? Who's your Hogan? Today's roster? Today's roster. You can pick from any TNA, NWA, WWE, AEW. See, it would have to be somebody that just recently left one company and went to another, though, in order for it to work. Would you do Jericho? In a heartbeat. Who would he be? Would he be your Nash? Would he be your Hogan? He would, he would, he would actually probably be my Scott Hall because he's that good of a talker. On okay, the so then you got Jericho. Right. Who would be your Nash? You'd have to have somebody who's big. Yeah, it would have to be a big guy. Mm. You know who I think could do it? Mm. And people may disagree. Big mm. Kaz. Kaz. Kaz was actually somebody that I was thinking of. And Kaz. who would be your Hogan? I'd tell you who I get, and I don't like him. Cena. I could see it, especially since everybody's one of them. Him or him or Reigns or Rollins, or even the other guy I don't like, Mox, Omega. Kenny, yeah, but I mean Omega's kind of doing the heel thing now. Who mate? What about MJF? Uh, You'd have to turn face. You'd have to have somebody that's going to bring star power. So it would probably be, my pick would be Cena. Either Cena or Roman Reigns. Could you imagine Cena or Reigns? Or Jericho, Big Cass, Mm -hmm. Cena or Reigns. How do you think that would fare? 
And Cena's coming back on July 17th, right? Supposedly as a heel. Would you bring him back in the, as the NWO and start a new faction? No. No, let the NWO stay in the Hall of Fame where they are. Because they, they, they tried to redo the NWO in 2002. Yeah, but see, that's with the old guys. Like, now, if if I was okay, doing Hogan it... Hogan was I, in the NWO for the second time around for a cup of coffee. And then Hall gets busted for the, the plane ride from hell. Nash's knees got dis- exploded, and he had to go out and get knee surgery. So then they turn the NWO into freaking Shawn Michaels and Booker T. Okay, so why not give it another run? You could put Cena there. Cena could carry that. You don't think if Cena came back as a bad guy? If, if Cena comes back as a heel, one, I have to see it to believe it. Because that, he's been... That would be the second biggest... Heel turn in the history of the business. Correct. The Next second... two Hogan's. Correct. Speaking of Scott Hall, he says he's still making six figures from NWO merchandise. I believe it. I just... <laughs> I just bought three fucking NWO shirts today. Did you buy me one? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Clint, if you're if you're booking NWO right now for Clint, N- call in. Yeah. Clint, you know the number. If you're booking the NWO right now, who are you picking? Who's your three? Who's your Hall? Who's your Nash? Who's your Hogan? I'm waiting for the phone to ring. Unless I mean, he's at work. No, nah, he's not at work this time. Maybe, I don't know, man. I think Cena could pull it off. Cena could. If he, I mean, if, if, if there's one person that can do it right now, that's Cena. Yeah. Him or Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt would make a good Scott Hall, too. Especially now with that uh, Fiend character. And Cena would make a good Hogan. Oh, yeah. He would have to be the Hogan because he's the only one that hasn't turned heel. And then who would be your big guy then in WWE? I mean, Randy Orton's kind of at that height. Orton, do you say Orton's a bigger star than than Nash? Correct. In you'd, today's standards, yes. You'd have to put somebody in there who's big. Yeah, he would have to be almost seven foot tall. So just, who's just, big right now in WWE? I can't think of anybody. They just fired him. Strowman, they could bring him back. They could. Could he carry the weight as as Nash, though? He's not as good on the mic as Nash is. No. Adam Cole in in NXT. He just got beat up by Samoa Joe. A returning Samoa. Ah, there's Clint. A returning Samoa Joe. Thank you for calling Graver Machine into a hotline. You're on with not the Sporks Explosion tonight, but with Lee or Money's Crazy Mind. Go ahead. Floor is yours. You there? You there? Yeah, I'm trying to get my headphones in. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Clint? So I, I do it here, Clint's one of the hosts of Hot Tag Wrestle Corner, so if there's anybody that would know how to talk this topic, it's Clint. All right, Clint. So this is what we're doing. Yeah, I'm trying to get my First and foremost, turn your phone down in the background. You, you should know I'm better. I'm watching than the that. show on the TV. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, turn you that, that shit. Yeah, turn that down. So, if you're fantasy booking your NWO right now, any active wrestler on any roster, who's your nat or who's your hall right now? Oh, Scott Hall. Whew. That's a tough one. 
It would have to be uh, somebody. It would have to be somebody who. I mean, Hall did actually have some pretty good mic skills. He did when he was sober. He did. So it would have to be a good yeah. shit talker. Yeah. You could use easily. MJ. You could use easily. MJF. Hogan Cena would be my Hogan. Yeah. He's just so over right now. He he turned it will really shock people genuinely. And I, I think that that if he does come back as a heel which is what the rumors are, but I don't believe anything that comes out of Meltzer's mouth or any of those other dirt. Okay, so listen. Stop for one second. If he does come back mm-hmm. on July 17th, mm-hmm. as a, that is one month from today. Mm-hmm. As a heel. As a heel. Mm-hmm. Your first show back with fans. Mm-hmm. Imagine In the, Cleveland. In Cleveland. Imagine the pop you would get. Dude, I, mean, I would be, for the first time in my life, I would be a John Cena fan. All right, so you got Cena. But one. they won't turn him heel, though. They they won't turn him heel because Reigns still. Mm. He's trying to run for that championship. <laughs> Come on now, man. That just I just puked in my mouth now. I don't, <laughs> right? I don't need Cena to be a seventeen time champion, but we know it's going to happen. All right, Clint. So you got Cena as your Hogan. Who's mm. your Nash? Nash, I'll be a physically imposing guy. I'm thinking Wyatt. Strowman's one. If I want to go with the impact side, I'd probably go with Moose. Ooh. I forgot about Moose. Did he win, by the way? No, he lost. <sighs> yeah, Omega's still, <laughs> Omega's still in the Yeah, Omega's still the chat. <laughs> okay, so if we're going that route, somebody that's physically imposing, Brian Cage. Ooh, that's a good one. You could use Archer, too. Could use. Yeah. Could use, yeah. All right, so who's your hall then? <laughs> Speaking, <laughs> Speaking of washed up wrestlers. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the, no Scott, the, 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 uh, I'm counting with Scott Hall before he had all the problems, all the personal problems. Would you take yeah. Jericho in that role? See, and the only reason I'm picking Jericho is because his mic skills have gotten so his much mic better. Skills, yeah, Jericho got the mic work to, to, to pull it off. And he can still go in the ring. Yeah. I think he could be your Hall. I think, yeah. I think that's a solid three. Cena, Jericho, and who did he say is his? Uh, I'd go Cena, Bray Wyatt, and Jericho. Oh, I got a different one for uh, for Nash. Who? How about almost? Who? AJ Styles, buddy. Tall, mm. seven foot, three guy. <laughs> okay, okay. Is he good on the mic? Just as hell. He don't got to be good on mic. He just beat the fuck out. He, yeah. he just he just destroys them. Yeah. He has no mic skills like Nash. So, <laughs> well, I mean, well, I mean that that original promo on on June tenth though that when when the NWO yeah. was first born. I mean, that was a great promo, and obviously that's all Bischoff's wording. But I mean, except for it the is. adjective, or at least according to Bischoff, it wasn't his calling it an adjective, but. <laughs> So, Clint, for you, and Dave and I were talking about this before I went on the air. And Bischoff actually just recently talked about this on 83 Weeks as well. If Hall or Nash, either one of the two, did not jump ship to WCW, and we obviously know that uh, Shawn Michaels was at home watching WCW because his wife is a Nitro girl, do you think 
the NWO would have been as impactful and changed the business the way it did if it had been Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash or Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall, and then obviously the third man would still be Hogan. Do you think the NWO would have had the same impact? Oh, that's a tough. I probably will say yeah because Michael at that time was was hell bent on not leaving. So if he would have left and jumped shift, it would have made that much more of an impact. But him and Hogan wouldn't have got along at all. <laughs> so it wouldn't have worked. Right, and that was my thing too. You know, what I mean, because obviously, like we said, the click. You know what had been around before the NWO. Um. So here's, because Bischoff said because of all of of. Uh, Michael's problems. He didn't want Michael's, you know, and obviously Michael's was going through, you know, addiction himself. And um, I know you saw the A&E biography on Shawn Michaels and, you know, he talked about, you know, going to see his um, yeah. pastor or whatever. And then the next day his back felt better. I, I call bullshit 100% on that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so, you know, he had all those problems, but, you know, Scott Hall, historically has addiction problems as well. And Bischoff obviously knew about them because, you know, Scott Hall was such good friends with Dally, uh, Diamond, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, and all of that. But yet he took the chance on Hall. And Hall failed a drug test before he was ever medically cleared to join WCW. And Bischoff looked past that. So if he's willing to look past it for Scott Hall... Why wouldn't he be willing to do it for Shawn Michaels? Well, I think the reason he wanted to do it is more to say it was to try to show up then. Michael let it be known Michael wasn't going nowhere. Michael was untouchable. He was saying shit. So he basically just trying to say, face like, I'm not going to go after a guy who I know I have no chance at getting. Like, they tried to get Undertaker at one point. He didn't go nowhere. They, well, <laughs> no. I mean, they did have Undertaker, but before he was the Undertaker, when, yeah, before he, was, he, when he was Mark Callow. Uh, yeah, and that's what Nash said. And that's like, oh, they were just bought Taker and just made made him Mark Calloway, a guy that just lied about it. Mm-hmm. It's American Badass game, basically. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. Which works out for him. Which I just kind of like that game for Undertaker. A lot of people don't like it, but Undertaker said that gimmick is just him being him. Mm-hmm. Ryan around his motorcycle, just doing what he do. So I'm like, I like that game. Yeah, I mean, he was a uh, big Mark Callow. In yeah, in um. In WCW. Um, so do you think that a reason why moments like this, like all these nitros and even the, the house show in MSG when the curtain call happened, do you think all of these events um, are still remembered so much today just because of how much WCW changed the vision of wrestling? by making the storylines more realistic, by making the characters more realistic, by, you know, using Nash's real name, by using Hall's real name. And obviously you can't change Hogan's real name because then everybody would be like, well, who the hell's that? <laughs> Who's Terry Belair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you think that, you know, all of those things, do you think that if Bischoff had never had this idea or actually never stolen it from new Japan, but that's neither here nor there. Um, do you think that the, the business would be what it is today? 
if the NWO had never happened? What are you talking about in terms of like WCW or just like wrestling in general? Wrestling in general, because obviously the NWO, you know, had WWE have to make changes just as much as WCW did. I'm about to say, yeah, the NWO basically put WWE to the terms of like, okay, y'all got to do something that's kicking y'all ass. 83 (laughs) weeks. Yeah. So you can't ignore what the fact the NWO impact it had. No. So you probably will say, yeah, because they did try to rebuild it in 2000, and that just mm-hmm. didn't work. You had Michael, Booker T, you had Big Show in there for a little while. Like, just, it didn't work. No. And I think and I think when it, when it started failing was when Hogan walked away from the NWO and challenged The Rock to WrestleMania 18. Yeah. He did, because at that point, he said, I don't want, I want to do it by myself. I don't want to, I don't want, okay, y'all technically come in at WO. I'm like, soon as going into this match, I'm like, they're going to jump over. So I kind of had a feeling they were going to do that. Yep. And then it's like, yeah, we kind of killed it. So going back to the original NWO here, do you think that the NWO, because this is when I think the NWO started getting stale, is it worked with Nash, it worked with Hall because they were invaders from another company. It worked with Hogan because Hogan was the biggest name in wrestling still, even though he was way past his prime in 96. But he was still the biggest name in professional wrestling. So those three worked. And then they brought in DiBiase. That's when it started failing. Yep, right there. You started putting too many people. Like, why is Horace Hogan a member of NWO? (laughs) <laughs> why we got why we got NWO Wolfpack? Love the theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if they had never oh. split up Hall, Nash, and Hogan, I think the NWO could have could have worked. If they had just remained that core three, maybe add in a couple of WCW guys that were tired of getting their ass kicked by the NWO every week. But, yeah, but you know, you didn't need the million dollar man, even though it was didn't need him. even though Benny it was uh, right. You know, even you though I didn't even need Macho Man at that time, I get hey, it. Did you hear the story that the Godfather was supposed to be Virgil? Yes, he talked about that on uh, the uh, Smoking Skull session, and he mm-hmm. said that Ron Simmons reached out to him and called him and told him, "Don't go there." Yep, and he was like, "Well, why?" Yep. He was like, "Because I know you, uh, you'll be kicking their ass down there. Don't go there." Mm-hmm. And then he goes, "Yep, my replacement was Virgil." Yep. And he goes, good riddance to him, but he was supposed to be in the NWO. So yep. that was their plan for, you know, uh, what's his, Charles Johnson, isn't that his name? Uh, Godfather's real name, Charles Johnson or something like that? I think that's his real name. I know it was I Charles, Charles Johnson, Charles. Charles White. Charles White, that's yeah. it, Charles White. But he revealed that, and and, he, and uh, Austin was like, really? You, you talk to Ron Simmons? He goes, yeah, because Ron's been up there, and I usually talk mm-hmm. to him about business decisions. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, don't go there. Mm-mm. Just like when Bret Hart they got to a fist fight with the Undertaker. Yeah, yep. just like when Bret Hart, uh, <laughs> when Bret Hart went there and Bret admitted it on, on the smoking skull session, saying that, you know, when I got there, they had nothing for him. They had nothing for yeah. me. And I'm hot coming from WWE. They had nothing for me. They may be a special guest right. referee. Uh, and they waited way too long to debut him because if they had. You know, I know he had to have surgery, and I know he had, you know, some kind of problem leading out of out of that match, out of the Montreal screw job. But if they had put him on Nitro the night after the Montreal screw job, 
with everybody knowing because he was live on pay-per-view the night before going WCW right in front of the goddamn camera. Exactly. You would have had the hottest and most talked about thing in wrestling on your program the next night. Who cares that he can't wrestle? Let him run his mouth for weeks. You didn't have the NWO in a fucking match for a month. You didn't have Scott Hall. He in NWO for a little while, Bret Hart was? Yes. Yeah. Bret Hart was. <laughs> for a cup of Kool-Aid. <laughs> Jesus. Too many members, man. They should have stuck with three. They they should have just left with the original three. And then when when they finally when Bischoff and, and unfortunately Vince Frack and Russo finally woke Here, up. Bro, let's not talk about her. <laughs> let's not talk about WCW two thousand at all. Uh, we did a whole gimmick on Vince Russo's match. Have you seen this stuff in Impact? Uh, that fixed-out electrocution stick, cage thing. That, like, people supposed to act like they getting shot every time they touch it. Because they didn't have enough electricity, they would have shorted the whole building. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And the only reason <laughs> that they even lost their contract with Spike is because Dixie Carter doesn't know how to forward an email properly. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back back to the NWO. But like, yeah. once they finally had the the mindset to sit there and go, oh yeah, let's just make the NWO the original three again. Russo was in power. Bischoff was what the hell? Bischoff was done fishing, and they're gonna put the three of them together. But there's another problem with that. Freaking Kevin Nash is the goddamn Booker. And they do the finger poke of doom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, and, and I love her to death. I love her to death. My fiance had never seen the finger poke of doom until like a month ago when I showed it to her because we were watching something and they were talking about it. And she's like, what's the finger poke of doom? So I tell her and I'm sitting here and I'm just like, what, you've you've never seen the finger poke of doom? And she goes, no. So I pull it up on YouTube because I'm not trying to dig through freaking Peacock trying to find it. And she watches it and she's like, you, I can't believe that that cleared the booker. You know, I can't believe that that cleared Bischoff's office. I'm like, here's the problem. Bischoff isn't there. He's fucking yeah. fishing. <laughs> <laughs> because WCW fired him. And put Kevin Nash in charge. <laughs> yeah, and they only put Kevin Nash in charge because he was threatening about leaving. And they wanted to keep him. Bye. <laughs> At that point, I love Kevin Nash. Yeah. I, I do. You know, the NWO is what made me the the wrestling fan that I still kind of am to this day. Before that, I was just an ECW and a Sting guy. But the night I heard that Hogan turned heel, the night I heard that he dropped that leg at Bash at the Beach on on Mach, I'm sitting there I'm like, yeah. you, you've got to be kidding me. Hulk Hogan, Mr. Say Your Prayers, Train and Eat Your Vitamins, is no turned his back on all the little Hulkamaniacs. And when all my friends are just like, yep, I'm like, you're full of shit. He turned on Nitro, and that's obviously what they opened with. And I'm like, yeah. Whoa, I gotta see I gotta see where this is going. 
But I think he was smart too, though, because he felt like everybody was getting tired of the Hulkamania thing. So like, I need a change. And that's what, so, and that's actually what, uh, <laughs> right? You know, and Meltzer would sit there and say, "Oh, Hogan's the biggest merchandise seller. Hogan's selling the most merch." And Bischoff's like, "Really? We weren't selling merch to save our lives." So Hogan, Hogan turning heel actually got them to sell merch because the NWO shirt still to this day is one of the hottest selling t-shirts in the history of pro wrestling. That's why Scott Hall making six figures from it. <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> I wonder if he's still making money from the resurrection of Jake the Snake. Don't know. Because I mean, I know that, you talked about the fact he was making them six figures from the end of your merch. I'm like, you still making money from them? I mean, I could see it though. I can see it because you can go to WWE shop.com and I'm tired of giving these guys plugs because that's what he was saying. He was saying like, yeah, I think that's actually where mine, I bought mine on Amazon, but I think that they were coming from the WWE shop. Cause know. I do the same thing with my shirts. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, a lot of people, back to NWO, too, I think another reason it started to scale down outside of the members, you were basically a three-hour show, and, like, most of the show was basically revolving around the NWO. It, it got, it, they were. You they, had Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. You had all these guys, mm-hmm. and they are getting pushed in the back because you're trying to push the NWO with a bunch of guys that we don't really care about. You got to be, <laughs> be freaking kidding me. There is an NWO teddy bear for sale on WWE shop. <laughs> More money in his pocket. Uh, there's a NWO print, an NWO throw pillow. Ooh, it's Sherpa. Though. <laughs> mm. NWO wolf pack attack, NWO wolf t-shirt, NWO globe, NWO title graffiti. Well, WWE makes money off of that, so obviously they're going to put it on there. Oh, here you go, Dave. NWO boxer shorts. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they had they, they had a crap ton of members with the NWO. Who's the worst NWO member of all time? It's, it's a lot. Yeah, you talking about normal NWO? They got Wolfpack. They Fucking got Virgil, <laughs> the Disciple, yeah. Horse Hogan, Horse Hogan. <laughs> Hell, you can even throw Scott Steiner in there because that's when the motherfucker forgot how to do math. Let's not get started on Scott Steiner math. <laughs> Thirty-two and a third, and I'll be sixty-fifth yeah. and a fifth. I mean, that was that yeah. was that was an impact, but. You know, that's when he became Big Papa Pump and he had the hookup. Yeah, they got NWO, I I, they got NWO for life shorts. Mm-hmm. They have NWO Wolfpack, Wolfpack shorts. badge. Uh, they have the, the frame picture is pretty sweet with Hall, mm-hmm. Hogan, and Nash. They have a bunch of shit. Yeah, so the, I, I can see Scott Hall making six figures off all that shit. They're not stupid. No. No, they're not. And that's probably still from his original Turner contract. <laughs> Yeah, so you was talking about uh, the promos. Uh, did you watch the promo Rikishi and Impact? I think I showed it today. Mm-mm. When all of a sudden, 
he forgets his words and he's talking about uh Rick Rude at the time. He started talking like the rock and sound like the rock and <laughs> call him Jabroni and <laughs> It don't surprise me. And then he goes out there and makes him a total job. Like he treats him like a job. He ain't no he knows so none of his moves or none of that. No, of course. Of course. I'm not surprised. We're I mean, talking I, about... I'd get the outsider shirt. Yeah, that outsider shirt does look pretty nice. Yeah, you get that shirt. Yeah. But I, I just bought an NWO. It, it's the, the the original NWO logo, and then underneath it it says For Life. I got the original NWO white and black, and then I got I got a red and black one. Just the cause... Wolfpack shirt's pretty fucking sweet too. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I love I love that NWO logo. You know, and it, it, it's just. It's been 25 years, dude. 25 years. I cannot believe that the NWO was 25 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy, ain't it? I feel old as shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was in... I want to say I was in middle school when the NWO happened. 96? Yeah, I would have still been in middle school. But, I mean, it made me a fan. It made me a fan, you know, because then I started watching Nitro and then I would start to watch Raw, you know, because Bischoff was dumb enough to give Raw's results away. You know, and the impact of the NWO is still being felt today because you can say that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are going to appear on AEW and you would get more eyeballs watching the product. Yes, you will. You can say that that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, for some ungodly reason, is going to come back to impact. You know, and look at how many different versions of the NWO as a parody. Well, not even as a parody, but they became parodies that they did. I mean, they had the band in uh, TNA when they brought Hogan, Hall, and Bischoff. Or, uh, well, Bischoff was there too, but Hogan, Hall, and Nash there. Obviously, they can't call them the NWO because the WWE owns the trademark on it. So they call them the band and put them in the same logo, the same style logo. You know, I mean, the click is now becoming, you know, highly associated with NWO because they were the click before they were the NWO. You know, the 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 wolf symbol that they did, you know, WWE's trying to trademark that now so that the Bullet Club stops using it. Oh, yeah. But when you back to, like, the fashion of, like, uh, Impact, I think of Main Event Mafia. Main Event Mafia worked, though. Yeah, I know. I love that kind of Main Event They started having people, like, joining in. Like, when Samoa Joe dropped the title, they cut mm-hmm. out. Like, really? I made him a joke. <laughs> okay, so the Main Event Mafia was kind of a, a, a you know, a but good redoing. Aces and Eights. That's, that's exactly where I was going because you did not know who was in Aces and Eights. They had Gary Bischoff was leading them. It worked. <laughs> It worked. I know, but he can't wrestle. Dude, look what it did for Bubba Ray Dudley. Died his career after he left. It saved Bully Ray's career. It did. Uh, they also had uh, Lou Gallows at that time. He was they did him. have Lou Gallows. I think Velvet Sky saved Bully Ray's career. Aces and eights, dude. Yeah. Velvet Sky. That's who he's dating. Oh, I, trust me. I know. I know. I follow yeah. her on Twitter. 
And I'm still oh, yeah. trying to figure out how the hell he did it. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but kudos to him. Mm. Pull that off. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Let the pigeons loose, as Taz used to say. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can't ignore what NWO, though. Yeah, you know mm. But do you still agree? talk about... Do you agree with what I said? Watch it. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I, I go back, and that's the only reason I had the WWE Network for years was to go back and watch ECW and WCW. And, you know, I mean, it's like you know, I the, the watch-alongs that they do on, like, 83 Weeks and What Happened When and, you know, the other 9 million freaking podcasts that, that Comrade Thompson does. Um, you know, the way that it's – in Peacock now, it's just like, I don't know where I was at. Can I just search by date, please? <laughs> I got a podcast that you probably should listen to. You should listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast. Bischoff and them were just talking about that on, on 83 Weeks. I, I think I'm going to have to give that a listen. I think it's, it's funny because this dude I follow on YouTube, his name is Marty D, and he mm. calls them slap nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And he talked about his impact on him. Like, all he did was he would, he would get beat up a lot, he would bleed, he would take a ref bump, he would do a low blow, and then win, the win the championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he did. Yeah. yeah. I started my own okay. wrestling company so I can be the champion for fucking 10 years. I'll, I'll, put it on, I'll put it on Christian for a little bit, then I'll take it off of him. Put it on Kurt yeah, Angle for a little Brian bit. Put it on for a little while, take it off him, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you agree with me, though, Clint, that if there had been no NWO, we would have had no Austin 316, no DX, yeah, we no Attitude I Era? I agree. Even JR said that JR was in the midst of all that. Mm-hmm. Like, he like, yeah, he like, that jump, he said jump started Stone Cold, jump started Kane, the Rock, all them guys. It kick-started wow. the Attitude Era because WWE needed to do something because they were getting their butt kicked for 83 Three weeks. weeks. You know, it, it's, it's just amazing. Wasn't even close. It's just amazing, you know. And, you know, obviously I'm wearing a Kevin Nash shirt tonight. And, you know, I mean, Nash became one of my favorite wrestlers. You know, Hall did somewhat to a certain extent. It, it made me respect... Uh, Hogan, because, you know, I didn't like the red and yellow Hogan. I, I couldn't stand that version of Hogan. It's probably the same reason why I don't like John Cena or The Rock, even though The Rock did do a couple heel turns. But, you know, it's just it's that same cookie cutter, you know, insert wrestler here kind of mentality with it. Yeah, I love the Rock here Hollywood. Hollywood Rock was the best rock. I was there at the Raw when he lost to the Hurricane. <laughs> See, my problem and it was with his the... idea to put the Hurricane over. He 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 put him over. He said, "I want oh, him to yeah. beat." Well, Shane Helms, Shane was like, it. "Wait, you?" He like, "Just wait." He's like, "Wait, you serious?" He, the Rock, Rock, like, "Yeah, he wants you to go over." Well, you know, and think about okay, this. Okay, he was shocked. You know, think about this, and I'm gonna have to come on Hot Tag so we can talk about this stuff a little bit more, man. Yeah, you're welcome anytime, man. Thank you, thank you. Um. Think about this, though, too. 
if the if the Rock didn't believe that Chris Jericho could be the star he could be in WWE, he would have never, ever yep. let anybody sit there and cut a promo on him for fucking ten minutes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he said it too. I think I think within Jericho's book, he talked about he's like I was so nervous about this mm-hmm. promo, mm-hmm. and he said the Rock walked up to him and was like, "How's going, kid, with your promo?" He's like, "I'm scared. I I don't know what to do." He's like, "Look, he's like, I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna." Talk a little bit trash. I'm doing my one too. He like come out when you feel ready. How come the the, the Y two J came out and it worked? Dude, it's one of the greatest moments in wrestling, man. But that's another thing I like about the Rock though. He was willing to put people over. He was willing he to was. let China pin him in the match. Like he, he was back in that time. Who would lend a who would lend a, a woman pin them? Nobody. Right. He let Stephen McMahon pin him. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's because I think he knew the business and the pedigree of the business. He was like. Okay, I don't mind losing to them people because it, it works out for him in the long run. He's the reason Lillian Garcia started singing the national anthem at the AWF. Yep. So, do you think that one of the other things that killed the NWO was the fact that Bischoff basically became a Mr. McMahon parody of himself? Yes. He interjected himself in too many segments. Kind of like he did in Impact. Too many segments. You get Tyson and Eric Bischoff on TV all the time. You know, like, and it's funny because, well, like, if you hear Bischoff talk about Impact when 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 they brought him into it was still TNA at that point when they brought him yeah. and Hogan in, he would he he literally just kept saying, "I was just there to be the mouthpiece for Hogan. I was just there to be a representative for Hogan. I was just there to make sure that Hogan was getting the deal that he deserved. I was just there to do this. I was just there to do that." And I'm like, "Then motherfucker, why were you on TV every week?" It's the kicker part. So it's an episode of Impact, and you probably seen this episode. They literally had six minutes of wrestling. The yeah. rest of the show was just promos. talking and promo. Yeah, they had five matches that total six minutes. Yep. And I remember you got AJ Styles and and all these guys mm-hmm. on your card. Phenomenal. So yes, the promos talking. Yeah. All right, Clint. Well, yeah, I hate I, got, I hate to do it to you. Yeah. But I got to go pee-pee. So I'm going to take, <laughs> take a break here for a little bit just so I can uh, use the restroom here. I understand. Now, if you want to call back as soon as we go live again, feel free, man. I got some more NWO stuff to talk. So, All right. All right. Well, we'll be right back here on Money's Crazy Mind so I can use the little boys' room, and then we'll be right back. We will be right back. Thanks for letting me know you were taking a break there, Lee. I appreciate it. You were in your office. I had to take care of some business. I know.
doing wrong. Parents pissed off every time I write a song. Smoke crack, push up Satan, what the fuck is that? It's something funny, made for you to laugh at. You're destroying America with your rap. You're so full of shit, I need to call hazmat. The only way I would ever apologize is if I had my face buried in your sister's thighs. Okay, I'm sorry for what it's worth, but the best part of you was the afterbirth. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. Talking shit, what the fuck is this? Haters talking shit, run your mouth, this is what you're gonna get. A screwdriver jammed in your fucking eye. So long, thanks for coming by. Tell your sister, I'll be over by 10 with my dick in the mouth and my balls on her chin. She's bobbing her head to this fucking beat. Damn, dog, man, your sister's a freak. Hey, baby, you like the Eagles? Wanna hear something? We are back. I feel better now. <coughs> but that's just the kind of show I got here where I just, you know, I don't care. I let people know that I had to go potty. But while we were on break, I poked Dave. He he went down faster than Hall, uh, Nash did. I'm now the champ. Might have to spray paint some NWO on this to make it look a little better. 
But anyway, welcome back. Went a little bit longer than I normally do when I go to break, but, you know, we were having a really cool conversation there with Clint about some of the things that the NWO helped change about the business. And like we, like Clint and I were saying, um, you know, I mean, there would be no Degeneration X without the NWO. There would have been no Attitude Era, period, without the NWO. Nitro and WCW beat WWF Raw in the ratings every week consistently for 83 weeks. But Bischoff's cockiness cost him that 83-week win streak when he revealed that Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Dude Love, and whatever other persona that Mick is going to come up with in that weird mind of his, I think my mind's crazy. Shit. Look at Mick Foley. He was going to win the title that night. And he had Tony Schiavone go on the air and say, you know, why change the channel? Here's what's going to happen in their main event. Mick Foley, a man that used to wrestle here under the name Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. That's going to put some butts in seats. Well, it didn't put butts in seats because the butts were already in the seats in the arena watching. But it was also a pre-taped show, so there's that. But it did have a lot of people change the channel. And from that moment on, WCW never really kept the ratings going. And WCW made a lot of mistakes. Let's, Let's not kid, you know. Believing that Vince Russo was some kind of savior to professional wrestling is definitely one of them. But like the other things that we were saying, too, (coughs) you know, uh, adding just too many people into the NWO. You know, and maybe one or two, maybe three other people that, you know, like a a Sting, you know, because Sting ended up in the NWO at one point, but... You know, the people that were just tired of getting their butts kicked by the NWO on a consistent basis. You know, maybe a couple of those people. But to have what ended up eventually being half your roster as a member of the NWO, it doesn't become an invasion at that point. It's just a new, the new cool staple. You know, and if it would have just remained NWO as its own brand... WCW as its own brand and the two of them are fighting for supremacy over the one company you had the you know they they were smart and they had one belt and I think that that's where the brand extension in the WWE started to get it wrong as well is when Raw had a belt and Smackdown had a belt I think that they should have just had one champion but I'm not a booker I'm not the pencil as Brian Pillman liked to call him. Rest in peace, Brian. But, uh, so, yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about the NWO and the things that the NWO did for the business, being that it's their 25th anniversary. And I really do think that a lot of the more reality-based storylines that all three brands that were running at that point, ECW, WCW, and WWE, started doing from that moment on, it, it, you have to thank the NWO for that. And 
you know, like I said, the NWO technically didn't even have a name until almost a month after they debuted. Actually, over a month. Because on May 27th is when Scott made his first appearance. June 10th is when Kevin Nash made his first appearance. And then it wasn't until uh, July 7th at Bash at the Beach that uh, Hogan was revealed as the third man. But something interesting, actually a couple of something interestings, happened in between all of that. And the one big thing was that WWE shot themselves in the foot. And I think that this is kind of where some of that rating trend started going. Vince comes out on Monday Night Raw and announces that Diesel and Razor Ramon are no longer associated or under contract to the WWF and that they are now characters and product of the other show. So, you know, and he was trying to do it so that it didn't seem like an invasion. He was actually trying to take steam away from that angle. And which is what caused the lawsuit because of the losses and everything that they claim happened because of the NWO angle or the outsiders angle at that point. But it actually, you know, made people realize, oh, okay, so it's not Razor Ramon. It's not Diesel who's over there. So who is it? You know, who are these guys? Why are they in WCW? If they're not helping WWF invade, we got to see what the hell is going on. And then they even cost themselves more money at that point and more audience and more fans by announcing that Razor Ramon and Diesel were returning to the WWF. So now you have all the officials and all the people that work for WCW sitting here going, wait a minute, we have these guys under contract. How is it possible that they're going back to the WWF? So they bring Scott and they bring Kevin in and they sit there and go, hey, um, you know, Vince just said that Razor and Diesel are coming back, but we have you under contract. You know, if you guys aren't happy and your contract's not good enough, You know, here's a brand new contract, and we're going to give you uh, $100,000 more a year. No, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are like, okay, and they signed it, no problem. And so, you know, the announcement keeps coming. Razor and Diesel are coming back. Razor and Diesel are coming back. Razor and Diesel are coming back. So the night that Razor and Diesel were supposed to debut or return on Monday Night Raw, Everybody in the back at WCW is watching, going, wait a minute, we have these guys. What's going on? Are they seriously going to jump ship again and go back to WWF? So they're watching, and all of a sudden, Razor Ramon comes out, but it's not Scott Hall as Razor Ramon. And then later in the night, Diesel comes out, but it's not Kevin Nash. And the best part about this is, is that all those executives and all those people at WCW are watching this. Scott and and Kevin come walking up right behind him and go, hey, what are you guys watching? Oh, wait a minute. You mean you didn't go back? We just gave you $100,000 each for nothing? Yep, pretty much. And that's also what started the favored nations clauses in their contracts as well, where if they bring in anybody else after them, they get the same amount of money. They get the same bump up. 
to match whoever the new talent is that's coming in. That that's all part of a lot of that too. Uh, so you know WWE is you know they sue uh, WCW and Nitro for you know uh, Scott using the the toothpick gimmick, the the Spanish accent, and all of that stuff, saying that that was their intellectual property with Razor Ramon. W, uh, WCW has uh, documentation which actually says nope, he was doing that as the Diamond Stud. Uh, years before he was uh, ever raising Ramon. Scott's admitted this as well. You know, Scott's addiction problems, obviously, were still very much in play, even though, you know, Bischoff, you know, could say whatever he wants, that, you know, there was only a few instances where they had a problem with Scott during that time. But, you know, Scott admitted that he was drunk just about every night when the NWO was going on. So when NWO split into NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack, you know, for me, that's when it started getting way off the rails. I mean, it was definitely off the rails when they they brought in, you know, Virgil as Vincent, you know, and then you have the disciple, the guy that was licking Hogan's boots. I, I actually think he literally licked Hogan's boots on Nitro. Um, You had Horace Hogan, who was supposed to be Hogan's muscle. Hogan's arms are still some of the biggest in the business. Do you, Hogan needs muscle. Hogan needs a muscle man. It was bad enough when you had Virgil just about licking Ted DiBiase's boots. And then now you've got three guys in the NWO Hollywood that are willing, probably would have sucked Hawk's dick if he had asked them to in the middle of the ring. But I still think one of the dumbest angles that the, that the NWO ever did and this was when Scott and Kevin were in Wolfpack. Dave, I don't know if you remember this or not, but this was definitely one of the moments when WCW was about to just, they were already off the cliff. They were just waiting for the for them to hit the bottom. You have Hall and Nash in the ring, and I don't remember who they were wrestling, but there was this girl that showed up at ringside, and I swear... I you can and you can go back on Peacock and watch this because they have every episode of Nitro on there. It might have been a Thunder, but it was definitely WCW. I I could have sworn it was Nitro because I turned it on after Raw, so it had to be Nitro. <laughs> this girl literally, literally, had basketballs under her shirt that they were trying to make fans think were her boobs. They were literally the size of basketballs. And you could see where the the spherical surface of the ball was tucked underneath where you shouldn't see something tucked underneath. And she's sitting here and she's going, I'll take this off if you guys lay down and let whoever you're wrestling pin you. So... Hall and Nash literally get down <laughs> and let whoever they were wrestling pin them, and then they walk back over to the to the corner of the ring, and they're literally, like, panting like dogs. Like, okay, you can take the shirt off now. <laughs> I'm like, are, are, what? What the hell am I watching? And I was a teenager, and I'm still sitting there going, this, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. 
until David Arquette won the WCW championship. Um, I'm sorry. I get it. They were promoting a movie. I do. They they were promoting a movie, a shitty movie, but they were promoting a movie. And Ready to Rumble is actually one of my guilty pleasure movies, but I love to hate it. It is a horrible movie. Horrible. It makes the business look so bad. But I can't help watch the train wreck sometimes. I, sometimes I just have to be reminded of how bad that movie is. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's definitely bad. But, you know, so... No NWO, no Attitude, no Steve Austin, no DX. All right, bet, bet. So I just want to, I want to close this up here, and I want to explain why I don't like talking wrestling on Money's Crazy Mind all that much. And this is no offense to Bring the Fight. This is no offense to Hot Tag, you know, but... There are 958 million different wrestling shows out there. And, and there's even one that's on terrestrial FM radio that Bully Ray sometimes hosts, and they have other wrestlers that come on and host it. Uh, Mark Henry's been a host on it. You know, so I don't like talking wrestling on this show for that reason. It's the same reason I don't talk sports. I mean, there's... You know, a station in, in our hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, that is dedicated to sports. You know, and we have several shows here on Redline that do sports. So, you know, I stay away from those topics because it's just everywhere. It's everywhere, and people can do it better than me. And But when it comes to nostalgia moments like this, like the birth of the NWO, and this is what made me a fan. So I am forever grateful for this month-long run of storylines in the WCW because this is what made me a fan. And I went back and I watched the May 27th Nitro to see Scott Hall appear. I went back and watched the June 3rd where Hall, you know, got confronted by Sting. And, you know, the one thing that happened during that was they pulled Sting off of Scott Hall instead of pulling Scott Hall, the guy who, quote-unquote, isn't supposed to be there, off of Sting. Um, you know, and then Nash debuting on the 10th, them powerbombing Eric Bischoff off the end, uh, entrance ramp at Great American Bash. You know, all those great moments. And then obviously, you know, Hogan turning at Bash at the beach. You know, and then just the NWO being on just a straight, they had a rocket to fucking Pluto at that point. And it made me a fan, and it made me a fan of both WCW and WWF, since because they were still WWF at the time. And it just turned me into a fan, and I've been a fan ever since. 
And these are the kind of moments that I think wrestling is missing. Because you have the Dave Meltzers, and you have all these dirt sheets, and you have all these guys that are just reporting on every little moment that happens. Oh, Big Cass got a hangnail. Ember Moon had had her dildo out. I, you know, like it, it could be any minuscule little tiny thing, and these guys are going to report on it. And on top of it, they make you pay for it. You know, when I stopped buying dirt sheets, I stopped, well, not buying dirt sheets, but I stopped believing everything that dirt sheets said about the business when they told me straight for three freaking months that CM Punk was returning to the WWE after he walked out on him in Cleveland. And I was at that Raw. And the only reason I bought tickets to that Raw was to see CM Punk. And then CM Punk no-showed and walked out on the WWE. That's when WWE started losing my business. I still watched it, but I definitely stopped watching it about a, a year ago or I stopped caring about it about a year ago, maybe two years ago. Actually, it was two years ago when AEW premiered because their product has just gotten that bad and that predictable. I could literally sit there and tear their storylines apart just based on the promos. And I got tired of it. I got bored. I started falling asleep during Raw and SmackDown. AEW, you know, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but at least they can keep me entertained for two hours. So if I ever do talk wrestling here on Money's Crazy Mind, it's going to be stuff like this, stuff like the birth of the NWO, the birth of DX will we'll definitely hit as a topic. Uh, Clint, I know I need you and uh, uh, any of the guys, if, if, you know, hot tag, Bring the fight. If all of you guys want to come here on Money's Crazy Mind, I definitely want to do a debate, and I'd love to have other people who are uh, smart fans. I'm not going to call you guys marks because I don't. I hate that word. We could be writers for Raw and SmackDown. It would make it would be better television. I don't know why they fired Bischoff and 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 Heyman. Because at least the the product got a little bit more watchable when those two were wa- writing it again. I was watching. I'm just like, Bischoff's writing for WWE again? I'll check this out. Heyman's writing? Heyman's my god when it comes to professional wrestling. I'll admit it. I'm a Paul Heyman guy. But it'll definitely be moments like this. But I do want to sit down and talk definitely with you, Clint, and uh, Tim, I know you were watching earlier. I want to talk to you guys about Chris Benoit because I know you guys have a different opinion on the Benoit situation than I do. And I'd love to have a, a, a responsible adult debate about what happened in that whole uh, tragic end to Chris Benoit. But we're... The old man has to go. <laughs> I I definitely agree. Vince needs to go. But here's the only problem with that. The day Vince leaves, it's not Paul. It's not Paul Levesque 
that takes over, it's Stephanie. And I think anybody that knows anything about that marriage knows that Stephanie is definitely the one that wears the pants in that relationship. And that's mainly just because of her last name. But with that, guys, I just wanted to do this nostalgia moment because the NWO was a huge thing for me. It made me a fan. It's keeping me somewhat of a fan. The product needs to get better for me to become as crazy of a fan as I was back in that time. But, you know, it's getting there slowly but surely. And I think once the fans are back, I think we'll start seeing some better product out of both, out of, uh, you know, AEW and WWE at least. Impact, they've been on life support for 10 years. But anyway, guys, uh, I'm going to wrap it up here this week for Money's Crazy Mind. Next week, uh, we're going to talk O.J. Simpson since we're kind of in the anniversary of that as well. I'm going to give my theories about what I think happened to Nicole and Ron. We talked about it briefly. There's a couple other things that I want to do. And then we're also going to talk about why O.J. is rich and stupid as well. Uh, when it comes to some things that happened after the murder trial. And obviously, there's a lot we can talk about with that. So, anyway, that's going to do it for Money's Crazy Mind this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Next week, a little more true crime, a little OJ. Have a week, everybody.